And I'll just start with our opening and we'll go if you're good with that. All right. (laughs) Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy and thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining me today is Jillian Jones with Edmonds Center for the Arts. She is the Director of Programming. This is Edmonds Center of the Arts' fifth year of doing the Dementia Inclusive Series designed for people with memory loss as well as their caregivers. Welcome, Jillian. Thank you, Lori. Thanks so much for the opportunity to be here today. My pleasure. So can you tell us about ECA? Absolutely. Um, So we are a 700-seat performing arts center in downtown Edmonds. Um, Many people know us for the performers that we bring to our stage. We present about 30 artists each year. Um, Those have included Mavis Staples, Lyle Lovett, Trombone Shorty. We also present a number of emerging and international touring artists. Um, One thing that people often aren't as aware of is the education and outreach work that we do in the community. We have a whole program for students in the schools and also bringing students in to see performances on our stage, um, but also an extensive program for older adults and people with memory loss. When you say students, are you talking about the community college or high school students? Um, Elementary, middle, and high school students. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. And you're right down in the heart of Edmonds. We are. Yeah, so we're actually the old Edmonds High School building. Oh, you are? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Fun fact, I used to go to college there. It used to be a college before it turned into the center of the arts. Oh, and it was the Puget Sound mm-hmm. Christian? Ah, oh, great. Yeah, I'll probably cut that out, but yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, what is the Dementia Inclusive Series? I know that it's already done, but you'll be doing it again, but can you tell me about it? Absolutely. So it's a program that we've put together um, As you were mentioning, it's the fifth year that we're doing this series. Um, And it's a lineup of arts engagement programs designed specifically to engage people with memory loss and caregivers. Um, About five years ago, we did our first program for that population, thinking it would be a one-off program. We had a group called Songwriting, um, sorry, Songwriting Works come in. Um, They're based in Port Townsend. And they led a two-day residency at one of our local memory care facilities, um, essentially helping people with memory loss craft and create their own song. Really? Yeah. And it, um, it was an amazing experience. Essentially, what came out of that was we had folks in that room who spoke a variety of different languages. And the song that they created ended up having four languages represented. It was French, English, Swedish, and Norwegian. Um, And this all just came from stories and prompts from our facilitator um, to create this final song that they shared with their family and friends. That is so amazing because I think for people that, like, I'm really not musical, I have friends that are. My thought was these videos I see where they go in and they sing with the seniors and they kind of come back to life, especially the Mm -hmm. ones with dementia. So you're saying more than that, they're writing a song, they're telling their stories, Yes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, with all of these programs, we've wanted it to be more active than passive and really to, based on the philosophy that everybody, including people with memory loss, have something to contribute. Oh, I love that so much. Um, so you told me how it started. Um, what are the benefits of engaging in arts programming for people living with memory loss? And how have you observed through this program I know you told me one of the stories, but I saw how excited you got. It just tickles me. Um, So one of the great partnerships that we've had through this program is with ElderWise, an organization based in Seattle. Um, And through our partnership with ElderWise, as well as a number of local memory care experts in Edmonds, 
um, we learned about the benefits that arts programming brings to people with memory loss as well as caregivers. And, you know, I was surprised to learn about um, some of the negative health impacts for people, um, both living with memory loss, but their caregivers as well, um, including depression, a sense of isolation. Um, for people that are caregivers, even a cognitive decline versus um, people who are not caregivers. Um, so one of our goals with this project was really to address some of that separation that's happening when people receive their diagnosis and they might not be participating as fully in the community. Um, so some of the benefits that we've seen and the impact has been um, people coming back program after program with us and starting to build connections and friendships with other couples or parent and child partnerships, building friendships um, where they're connecting outside of the programs at ECA. We've also heard that communication between people with memory loss and their caregivers has improved or become um, less stressful when they're in those programs. There's a, it's a low pressure environment that they're able to have fun and laugh together. Um, so it's it's been really rewarding to be part of it and see some of those benefits. That is so cool because that is the thing you see with caregivers. It's hard to have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely don't have that opportunity for respite very yeah. often. And so in the beginning, you said the arts. So is it just music? Is it, it sounded like there were other layers of this? Yes. Yeah, so it, it started with, with music, with the Songwriting Works program, but it's expanded. We've done improv workshops with Taproot Theater. Really? Um, which is super fun. Um, we also, this season, are, are doing a ukulele and Hawaiian cultural program. Um, called Kupuna Ukulele Time. Look at you saying that like you're Hawaiian. <laughs> I know. One of our staff members, uh, Kalani Kahailihi, is our teacher, and he makes sure I say ukulele correctly. I love that. Um, but that's that's been a wonderful program, kind of centered around um, Hawaiian music and storytelling, and we've had a number of elders take part in that program. So your education program, is it something that's just ongoing all year round for different, some for elders, some for educating kids? Is it... It is. Um, most of our programming takes place from October through May in education, but we also do four weeks of summer camp each year. Oh, and what does that entail? Um, so that uh, entails partnerships with local or regional arts organizations to do week-long summer camps. Um, three of those are usually for children, and we also do a week of intergenerational camp programming each year. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, so that is through our partnership with Silver Kite Community Arts, um, they specialize in intergenerational arts programming. Um, they're amazing. I have not heard of this. Um, so essentially we partner each year with a different arts organization along with Silver Kite um, to translate one of those summer camp programs to be accessible to both kids and older adults. Um, last year we did a steel pan camp. Uh, the year prior we did marimba camp. Um, and oftentimes we'd have grandparents coming in with grandchildren um, to take part in camp together. So it was really fun. I love that. Wow. Because that is really kind of, we're talking about earlier about not being connected. Mm -hmm. And to think about uh, being having the youth being connected with the elderly. Mm -hmm. And I, I always call it reverse mentoring because this generation, we don't get technology so much. And so I always say, find a young person, but then you get that young person helping you and maybe they'll hear some of your stories. Right. And I think um, having that realization that each generation does have something to provide each other um, we actually did a, an intergenerational program within the Dementia Inclusive Series for the first time this year 
in partnership with the University of Washington Bothell. Um, and so students that were freshmen, so in their first year of university, partnered with um, older adults with memory loss and caregivers and spent several sessions together um, looking at the theme of beginnings mm-hmm. with the idea that the older adults and the caregivers are, are entering a new phase of life. They're going through a transition. Um, and the students are going through that as well, starting something new. And speaking to your point, um, the older adults really were able to provide advice to those younger people about how to approach new things and challenges. That is so beautiful. I know for my uh, daughter, her grandma had lived in a home with no uh, electricity. And she just couldn't even fathom that. And I thought it was always such a great conversation. Right, right. Just to be able to take that other perspective. Right. Let's see. Anything else you want to say about that? Um, At the end, I'll give you a chance to if you remember anything. Okay. But. Um, not about the intergenerational. Okay. So what is the philosophy of all this work? Um, so our philosophy has always been that people with memory loss have something positive to contribute to the community and should be included. Um, oftentimes we hear about some of the barriers to people with memory loss coming to arts programs, coming to the theater, and there's a stigma involved there, um, a feeling that you might embarrass yourself or have to leave partway through that idea of theater etiquette that so many of us um, feel that outside pressure. And so we wanted to get past that, um, really to say you are welcome here, you should be here, and mm-hmm. what can we do to make this place more welcoming for you? Um, there's an organization called Momentia that operates out of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a grassroots collaboration, um, not owned by any one organization, but has an advisory board. And we operate um, based on Momentia's guidelines, and really their focus has been on that idea of, of positive contribution, of um, not viewing memory loss as a negative but rather what are the positives here? And, and this person is still here with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do they want to do? What do they want to contribute? And how can we work together to support that? That is so beautiful because it's a feeling of belonging. And in the beginning, you said it's that isolation. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And the caretaker m- maybe is embarrassed. If it's a family caretaker, maybe more so than somebody who's not related because they're not going to be affected. Right, right. And I think... Um, I mean, when it's your your parent going through that or your spouse, there's this added layer of stress. And, you know, sometimes people have told me, you know, it's just easier to stay home. Mm-hmm. Or on the other side of that, um, people with memory loss are transitioning into a care community um, and then no longer able to physically come to ECA anymore. True. And also what I've noticed is caretakers spend so much focus on helping the person they're taking care of that they do forget to take care of themselves. So yes. f- the fact that you're focusing on that as well, to me, is just so um, embracing a wraparound, you know, that you're taking all aspects of it. Oh, thank you. And we actually, um, based on some of that feedback from caregivers, we did our first caregiver training last year, um, and we're doing it again this year. And that um, we've got sessions just for caregivers where we're focusing on using the arts both as a tool for respite, but also, you know, how can they use the arts to make better connections with um, their loved ones with memory loss when they're at home? And when's this class coming up? Um, so that is March 23rd. Coming up. Um, so it'll be at Edmond Center for the Arts. And um, at the same time, people are welcome to bring along, um, to come with 
their loved ones with memory loss and we'll have activities for those folks as well. Do they need to register or just show up? Um, they do need to register in advance okay. um, and that would be uh, through me. Okay. And, and is that the email website? Me. Email. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's your email address? Um, so it's Jillian, G-I-L-L-I-A-N at E-C, the number four arts, A-R-T-S dot org. Okay. And I will post that too with our Wonderful. show notes. Thank you. So this year, ECA launched its first inter... Oh, did we already talk about that? Uh, we did. So okay. That, no, that's okay. Um, that's why I just want it to be... <laughs> so what have been the greatest challenges in developing these programs? I would say the biggest... There's the biggest challenge personally and then as an organization. So personally. Um, personally, I would say, you know, at the beginning of this... We had a group of people um, coming to the programs that we built really strong connections with. And it's it's only a natural progression that um, a lot of those folks are no longer able to come to our programs anymore because mm. their diagnoses have progressed. And so um, personally, I, I miss seeing them there. Um, you know, they've they've moved into care communities where some have passed away. Mm. Um, and on the, the organizational side, I would say, you know, similar to that, it's been how can we continue to reach those people when they're no longer able to come to our facility for programs? And that's one of the things actually I'm, I'm really excited about now is that we're expanding the work that we're doing out in care communities. Um, so to say, even though you may have progressed to have moderate or, or even late stage dementia, we're still going to come to where you are. Um, one of those programs is the Sing for Your Seniors program. Um, which involves training local musical theater artists to go out into assisted living and memory care facilities to perform and engage with people who are going through memory loss. Um, We just had a training actually with a group of musical theater artists and students um, with the hope to put together a roster of artists that will be able to go out into the community do this work and scale up the impact that we have. So if there's a, a care facility there and they're wanting it, they can call you. You've got a roster of people. Yes, absolutely. So I'm thinking about when you said do a training, what are the special things that they have to think about if they're going to sing, you know, versus going out to a party or a bar that's mm-hmm. going to be different in a care center? Um, so the group we have coming in to lead the training is Sing for Your Seniors, and their founder is Jackie Vanderbeck, who will be leading uh, leading the training. Um, my, I don't have as much professional experience with, with that technique, but, um, from my understanding, she's done a fabulous job creating this model where, um, thinking about your communication style with people with memory loss, how do you tailor that and tweak that? Um, so you don't lose people's attention, um, speaking up, um, engaging through eye contact, um, maybe having more repetition, um, than you would in a regular performance to, um, spark memory and, and come back full circle. Um, so that I think for any performer is a great a great technique to be able to learn to integrate into your into your toolbox. But yeah, I was um, going to say, yeah, it work great for seniors, but still that'd be good for engagement. Well, just right? To get people, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the same way that um, teaching artists learn how to specifically tailor their craft to working with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so this will be a similar similar approach, but for older adults. Yeah. I wonder, I, I, I just think about, I have this vision of them singing and somebody stands up because they know the song so well and they just embrace that and let them sing with them, yeah, things like that. Yeah. Um, well, and keeping it really informal too. Yeah. I mean, speaking earlier about, about the stigma and, and theater etiquette, I think um, that's something that's become more prevalent in the 
theater community is is having a more relaxed environment for some performances or programs um, so that there isn't that that outside pressure of, oh, no, I can't get up and sing a song yeah. um, because everyone's encouraged to participate and be present. Right. So more than just I'm getting up and I'm singing, it's you're like saying I'm here for a, a community event, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah. See yeah what happens. important. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Scary, but cool. <laughs> How does Sing for Your Seniors fit into ECA's strategy for the Dementia Inclusive Series? Um, so Sing for Your Seniors is a really key part of our strategy because it's expanding our work um, outside of, of people with early stage memory loss who traditionally we've been serving at the center. Mm-hmm. Um, it will mean that we can go, as I was saying, into care communities with more programs for people who might have barriers to come to ECA um, and increase the number of people with mid to late stage dementia that we're reaching. And so do you have a advertising or how do you get the word out to let caregivers and these people know? Do you go through their doctors? How do you get your word out? Um, for the Sing for Your Seniors training, we've tried to really promote through um, both through caregiver networks, but also musical theater departments at universities and college um, students that are interested in, in a career in musical theater that might be interested. I think so many of those artists have repertoire for their auditions that they might already be using that they can translate to this work. Um, So it's been interesting to kind of identify those different communities and see where the interest is. So I don't know if this, if you touch on this, but what's the difference between that and, for instance, music therapy, which we've been hearing about? Oh, um, you know, I'm not an expert on that, but um, I, yeah, I'm not. Okay. Because music therapy maybe is toward people that might just be sick in the hospital, where you, right. this is kind of geared for seniors. Yes, and I would say with with musical music therapy, usually there's a trained um, there's a certification for a music oh, therapist, okay. um, which this this is more of an arts engagement, and so any artist would translate their work to. Um, to be more accessible to people with, with memory loss, but not necessarily being certified as a therapist. So we see how music does help people. Now, does art, like drawing, does that engage people with memory loss, or is it mostly just the sound? Um, art does as well. Yeah, there have been some great research studies on the impact of, of um, painting and drawing. Um, Elder Wise, who's been one of our great partners, has a number of watercolor classes that happen um, both in Seattle and I think in, in Snohomish County and Linwood as well. Oh, okay. And do they come to you, come to, for the classes or do you go to the centers for that? Um, for Elderwise, I believe people come to the centers for those programs. Okay. And so you've talked about camps, you've talked about the singing program. Um, I, and I know you're so much more than that. So what are some of the other things you, you bring in artists, mostly musicians or... Um, we bring in musicians, but also, um, you know, comedians, dance artists, theater artists. We really do kind of like the gamut in terms of the performing arts. And is it weekly? Do you have someone weekly or how does that? Um, it, re- it varies throughout the year. But um, so our presented artist series is our, our main stage series. We have about 30 performances from October through May. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in addition to that, I would say we have 10 to 15 shows that are specific for kids and families. Um, the thing that some people don't know as well is we also have a very robust rentals program, 
Um, so different cultural groups, um, you know, sporting events, corporate events, they oh. rent out our facility and it's over a hundred days of the year actually our building is used by rental events. Oh, that is so good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So we really, we feel like a home in that way for a lot of groups that yeah. use the facility. Because I know a lot of times people want an event and they just, there's really not a lot of places to do that. Mm -hmm. So personally, how did you get involved in all of this? I mean, this is kind of a specialty kind of job. Yeah. You know, I've been, I've been really lucky just with the, the path and how things have worked out. But um, I, I come from a theater background um, and became more specialized in arts education um, after graduating from my master's program. Uh, about six years ago, moved to the Seattle area and started working at Edmonds Center for the Arts. And there was just so much opportunity there in terms of rethinking the way that we were um, approaching education programs, um, both in terms of working with kids, but also um, we've got such a strong um, older adult community, a number of assisted living facilities in the immediate area. Um, so there was a great opportunity to think about creative ways to serve those folks. Um, so personally, I've gotten a lot of satisfaction, and it's I'm really lucky to be able to work with those folks. Well, two things that come to mind. One is it's in Edmonds. Is it for Edmonds, or do you get people coming from everywhere? You know, we get people coming from everywhere. Um, often we kind of think of ourselves as just being in this small downtown Edmonds, but um, we draw, I mean, we depending on the performance, but we sometimes have folks coming down from Canada to see a show or... Um, our kind of general radius is about 50 miles around the center of people who come to performances and programs. Um, so we're looking outside to Seattle, to Shoreline, um, up north to Everett. Um, so we really have a wide range and diversity of people that are coming in. So the other thing that comes to mind is I just think how so often, especially it seemed like with my generation, everything's focused for the youth. Mm -hmm. and families. And so I love it that you have not only that, but you've expanded it to the elderly. And I think that uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, they call that the long goodbye, that it is so hard on families. And to have this kind of thing where they can go and learn and have fun and maybe even bring their whole family. Right. Like, how do we be around grandma when she can't even, when she thinks I'm my mom, you know? Right. And I think to have events, which we've tried to do as well, that um, aren't just specifically for people with dementia, but are for everyone. And they're an important part of attending. So we we do, as one example, a golden era sing along each year. What? Um, so this is a free program we put together um, in partnership with Northwest Film Forum, um, video clips from movie musicals from the golden era. So oh. we've got like Oklahoma and Singing in the Rain. Um, and the words are on the screen. And so people, everyone is invited and welcome to come. But that's a great opportunity for um, kids and grandkids to be coming with their grandparents to experience something like that. Um, so really, I mean, our overall goal is that people with Alzheimer's and dementia are integrated into the community and that we have those events that are inclusive of everyone. And do you have education for just the general person? For instance, I was talking to a friend who had, was sitting in a waiting room at a doctor's office talking to this lady. Great conversation. Then all of a sudden she's repeating, repeating. And, and my friend didn't know what to do. Me, I, I would have just been like acted like each story was a new one, mm -hmm. you know. But is there education for the general public on, you know, how, how to be around people when you know you're around someone with Alzheimer's but maybe not connected? 
Um, you know, I've heard in other communities that happening um, as an example for local businesses about how to welcome people with memory loss. Um, that that model I found really interesting. Um, in Edmonds, what we've done um, is, is specific to our staff and volunteers. We've partnered with, again, with ElderWise to do some training um, about some of the techniques and ways to welcome people with memory loss. Um, some of those communication issues that you're mentioning um, so as to be as least as low stress as we possibly can be. Yeah. So how do people, two questions. One, how do people get involved? For instance, for one, for the training, and do you have volunteer opportunities? We do. Um, so we, um, Edmund Center for the Arts has um, a really strong volunteer program that's led by my colleague, Jim Christian. Um, believe now we've got over 120 volunteers from the community that are helping out both at our programs, but also our performances. Um, so they're very active throughout the year, a great group of people. Um, so to get involved as a volunteer, you can reach out to us to get a volunteer application. Um, I believe twice a year we do an orientation and training program, but we love to get new people in as volunteers. Great. And then how do you raise money? Do you do just buy your performances or do you do fundraisers or take donations? So about 60% of our revenue is from ticket sales. Um, we are a nonprofit, so the other 40% is coming from donations from our rental programs. Um, and so we, yeah, I know we're writing grants. We're looking for sponsorship opportunities and donations. It's really, really important for us to be able to keep doing the work that we do. That is so great. What was my other one? Give me just a second. Oh, so it sounds like with this program, like you've been there six years. Yes. And it sounds like you've got some big ideas. So what do you see? Like, this is what you've done so far, which is phenomenal. But what do you see coming up maybe in the next four or five years? Ah, the big dream. Um, so one of the things we've talked about as the Dementia Inclusive series has grown is how do we keep building those bridges between the arts and health? Um, mm -hmm. We've seen so many great programs across the country um, in terms of using the arts to help people with various health issues. As one example, there's a, a Dance for Parkinson's program that's become really popular. Um, you know, different programs for um, children with autism or other sensory sensitivities. Um, so in our next kind of phase of development, right now we're starting to brainstorm around actually our campus development at ECA and what, what the next steps for that might be. Um, thinking about how we can really set the stage for the best use of the facility to grow those programs. Great. Um, let's see. We're almost done, but I just want to make sure. Um, would it be possible to do a shout out to our funders? While yeah, let's do that. Okay. So you said you have, you uh, take donations, you have ticket sales, volunteers. So you do have funders. What, where does, who are your funders? Yes, we, ha we have some really wonderful major funders for the Dementia Inclusive Series. Um, including the Susan Elizabeth Foundation, um, our local Hazel Miller Foundation, Nancy Bittner, the Washington State Arts Commission, the Elizabeth R. Wallace Charitable Trust, and the Ann and Mary Arts and Environmental Education Fund. So we're, we're so grateful for that support, and that helps us make these programs possible. Well, I'm just so pleased to hear about this. And of course, while you're talking, I'm thinking of friends of mine that I know are caretakers that um, would so benefit from something like this. Now, the one thing I think they worry about, what if you, ha you have the training and the person with Alzheimer's gets a little unruly? I mean, what do you have in place for that? Um, you know, we, we make sure for each program to have um, staff and volunteers in place to help support everyone where they are. 
Um, so even if someone was, you know, not to be participating in what everybody else is doing, um, that's totally okay. Um, so uh, as just to give one example with our ukulele program, um, last year when we were doing it, we had some ladies that, that didn't want to be sitting in their chairs anymore. They wanted to be standing up. And so we had a volunteer that, that stood up with them and they started to hula dance. Oh. Um, and so, you know, just that, that feeling of saying yes to what somebody is doing as opposed to a no, you shouldn't be doing this. We always say yes. Um, we always adapt so that that person is comfortable. I love that because I think with caretakers, that would be a big thing. They're like, well, if I'm in the other room with the training and I know this person might get triggered by something. Mm-hmm. So to know that there's trained people. Yes. And and that they would say, yes, you want to stand up, stand up. You want to dance, dance. I love that. Right. And so everybody has a positive experience. Too. Yeah. We need more. Yes, don't we? We do. It's very true. Well, I just love this program. And so before we wrap up, is there anything that you can think of that we forgot or that you want to say? Look here. I know I went to a book signing there one time. Oh, did you? Which book was it? Oh, God. Yeah, Young. Um, he wrote The Shack. Is that William Young? Oh. It was years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that. Mm. Um, the only other thing I would say... Um, is that at Edmond Center for the Arts, with the model for the Dementia Inclusive Series, we've been really excited to see it inspire and spread to other communities across the state. Um, you know, we've been approached by other performing arts centers, as an example, that are interested in doing something similar. And that's something that we're so excited about. I mean, in addition to our goal of spreading awareness about these programs, to know that um in other areas of the state, there are more programs and services cropping up so that it's not just in our hub in Seattle and in Edmonds where these programs are being offered. So I've heard the term plug and play. So if there was like an art center, say, on Whidbey Island or Anacortes mm-hmm. or one of those farther out places, could they come to you and learn from you? Is there a, a way for them to be able to just kind of take it and go and not have to go through the hard knocks you went through? Absolutely. And I mean, we've... Um, you know, provided advice and some of the framework to other communities and performing arts centers that are interested in doing similar work. I think, um, I mean, what what we've tried to do is be really um, thoughtful in translating that that experience and knowledge because there are some, like you're saying, some challenges and and barriers that come up along the way. Um, One of the things that was a big learning curve for us as a staff was using language around um, memory loss. And so that's one of the first things I say to other organizations that are interested in doing this work is to just make sure you're on top of um, what the respectful language is for somebody um, with memory loss. Can you give me an example? Yeah. So um, so often you hear the term um, someone suffering from memory loss. Um, and we've, we've learned um, from people with memory loss themselves that that can be stigmatizing in itself. So instead to use a person living with memory loss or experiencing instead of kind of enforcing that that negative definition or label on what they're going through. That's really good. And do you, before we go, do you have a favorite story that you can share? Yes. Um, you know, I'll, I'll share a story from the first program that we ever did at Songwriting Works. Um, so this was the two-day residency in a care community um, where the seniors wrote their own song. Um, there was a lady that throughout the whole first day and most of the second day was totally silent and and sleeping through through some of it as well and and the staff 
had told us that essentially she was she was nonverbal, she was not responding, um, but that she was going to be there. And um, and that was great. And our facilitator, um, you know, was trying to include her as best she could. And um, it wasn't until the end of the second day that um, our facilitator, Judith Kate Friedman, started to sing a song from Hawaii. Um, and I can't remember the song right now, but it was a great song that was a common a common tune that you'd know if you travel a lot to Hawaii. And this woman suddenly, you know, she opened her eyes and she started to sing along. Um, and that was just totally unexpected. Um, both ourselves and the staff that worked at the care community were blown away um, that it had taken time and and care and patience. But um, being patient and being there with her, suddenly, she, you know, that had sparked something for her. It had sparked a memory. And um, that was just so beautiful to see everything's worth it when you see those moments. And you all got to experience mm-hmm. that. It's like you're doing these programs for them, but you all got that amazing oh, experience. Yeah. yeah, we get at least probably more we get out of it um, just by seeing what they're going through and feeling their strength. I love that. So if people want to know about your programs, they go to your website, which is? Um, so it's wwwec 4 the number four arts.org. Okay. And do you have a Facebook page? We do Edmund Center for the Arts on Facebook and we've got um, Instagram as well. And is it spelled out or is it ECA? Uh, on Facebook, it's Edmund Center for the Arts on Instagram. I believe we're Edmund Center. Okay, great. I just can't thank you enough, Jillian, for coming in. And I love this program. The minute I saw it, I was like, I've got to talk to her. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Lori. I appreciate it. I hope people will reach out and take advantage of these programs. I do, too. Please join us. (laughs) I'll just say my ending here. If I can find it. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. I know I have. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.